The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii, Apostolic Faith Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour a blessing. Good morning, everyone. I'm Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., and I would like to thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV Channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC Channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KDTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KDVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles and San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Centro, California, and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 11 to 12 midnight on station KGBY-TV, Channel 20 in Grand Junction, Colorado, as well as from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church, located at 1043 Middle Street, is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world, with a sign on the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon a landmark in Kali for over 95 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August the 4th, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hahn Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. Many have suffered the disappointment of losing a very dear friend or a beloved family member. The hurt suffered is often followed by the individual vowing that no one else will be able to hold that special place in his or her heart. What a sad place to be. 
Life is too short to allow the hurt and pain to continue. Why let it? Open yourself to the love of the Lord and see what happens. The storm clouds of despair will be replaced with a kind of love that only comes from accepting Jesus into your life. Your heart will be full, full of triumph and joy of the Lord. The church choir, the direction of choir director Emilia Hahn, will sing the beautiful melody entitled Joy in My Heart, featuring a solo by Christy Hahn. The choir will be accompanied by Tiare Summers on the piano and Rose Pahaku Carter on the organ. If you feel the desire to sing along, please do so as the words appear on your screen.
And now we'll move on with the church band. Under my direction, the band will play the song entitled, God's Wonderful People. Associate Pastor Marvin Abing will sing to the Lord. Saints and viewers, the beautiful song entitled Trusting Jesus. And I'll tell you this one. The only one who you can put your trust in is Jesus. Marvin will be accompanied by trusty Associate Pastor Evans Sproat Sr. and Mason Asano Sr. on the guitars, Iris Lock on the drums, and myself on the piano. Simply trusting every day, trusting through a stormy way, even when my faith is small, trusting Jesus that is all. Thank you. 
The church choir will sing their second number for today entitled, Happy Am I.
The Apostolic Faith Church Orchestra, directed by trusty associate pastor Evans Sproat Sr., will play for you this wonderful number entitled, Everlasting Life is Free. vocal group known as the B.A. Degrees and directed by Rose Bahaku Carter will sing to the Lord and to you the song entitled Together. It is my honor to dedicate this number to Mr. Randy Powell, a wonderful, faithful television viewer. Mr. Powell, may the good Lord bless you and keep you in the hollow of his sweet hands. Have a wonderful day and a glorious week in Jesus' name.
time slips by so fast Our memories will last Through the good times and the bad times You're the one to really care Even if we are apart, we are apart If you ever, ever need me You can know I'll be there Yes, I'll be Praise the Lord, and good morning, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and would like to repeat our television time, stations, and locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California, that these telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV Channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC Channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY Channel 9 in El Centro, California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR TV Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah and parts of Nevada and Wyoming from 11 to 12 midnight on station KGB TV channel 20 in Grand Junction, Colorado, 
from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning the schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At our Kamaki Branch Church located at 1361 Palolo Avenue, gospel services are held on Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Kenneth M. Elverio in Lahaina, Maui, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloy in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K.Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espero in Balogo, Pikawain, and by Pastor Vesper Espero in President Rojas, Cotobato, Mindanao, Philippines. You are welcome to attend these services regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections. However, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now I'd like to return our program back to Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his Spirit-directed and Spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. We have all won victories in one way or another. Yes, viewers, we should praise and thank God for them. However, many tend to seek the Lord only in time of need. We forget the greater picture, which is our responsibility to serve and please God. We fail in this endeavor because as humans, we tend to regard the Lord only in terms of how He can serve and please us. At some point in time, we reverse the role of God and man. Therefore, one step towards rectifying the existing situation is to make the reading of God's Word an important and major part of our lives. After all, His Word is a lamp unto our feet, and His Word is forever settled in heaven. I pray, viewers, my sermon, the aftermath of the King's resurrection, will serve its purpose and draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and bring to memory our obligations to Him. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And God's idea is far different from ours. We saw how God became a man. He was born in a manger, as there was no room for Him at the inn. Mary, His mother, was an obscure peasant. He was raised as a carpenter's son. When he commenced his ministry, he surrounded himself with humble fishermen. He had no home. He never went to a university. He had no great organization. He said in Matthew, the eighth chapter and the 20th verse, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. When he was rejected and crucified, it was a death full of degradation and shame. His entire life from the cradle to the grave was one of humiliation, poverty, and sorrow. As a servant of God, 
the crowning point of Christ's ministry was his death and being the sinner's substitute. Listen to Isaiah 53.3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. However, that is the way God planned it. His ways are past finding out. We would probably do it thusly. We would bring him down to earth with great power and glory. We would have dressed him in diamonds and clothed him in royal garments. We would have surrounded him with angels, cherubim, and seraphim. We would have brought him down with blaring trumpets, the firing of guns, and the singing of magnificent choirs. We would have every nationality, creed, and color bow down and worship him. Thus, we see how different God's ways are from ours. As we look at the final chapter of John, we see a difference. Christ arose from the grave triumphantly. He is now living in his resurrected body. Soon he will return to heaven and sit at the right hand of God. Everyone in heaven shall welcome him, and the saints of old will shout hosannas because of his return. But now, what do we see him doing on this earth? We see him assuming the role of a waiter and preparing and serving breakfast to the disciples. And that, my friends, is how the image of Jesus Christ has existed over the centuries. He is the Lord who waits on his people. He is always there when we need him. He is only a prayer away, ready and able to fulfill our needs, to feed us with the word of God, heal our sick and afflicted bodies, and forgive our sins. Try to picture the disciples back in Galilee. Several of them had lived there before they began to follow Jesus. They had made their living in the fishing business. There, we find seven of them together on a certain day. Suddenly, Peter spoke. We read John in the 21st chapter and the third verse, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and they entered into a sheep immediately. And that night, they caught nothing. Some would have find fault with them going back into the world. But we must remember this. It was only natural for them to go back to the only trade they knew, fishing. The greatest business or preaching the gospel had not begun for them. Why? The Holy Spirit had not yet descended upon them to preach the gospel. Today, we look at the trouble with so many true born-again Christians. They say, I have not been called to be a preacher or a missionary, so there is nothing for me to do. They are wrong. Their influence for Jesus could be effective if they went out to witness and win souls for Jesus. For he that winneth souls for Jesus is a wise man. The winning of souls is the duty and responsibility of every true born-again Christian. If every saint considered his calling sacred and used his opportunities to witness for Jesus, he would not only win many souls to the Savior, but he would find peace, joy, 
and happiness in this life and that to come. The disciples of our Lord fished all night and caught nothing. They wasted their strength. They wasted their bait. They wasted their time. No question they were a disappointed group of fishermen. I'm afraid that life is going to be like that for many people. They spend all their time, energy, running after the things of the world. But when they get to the end of the way, they find they have caught nothing. They will have nothing to show for the years they have lived. Read in 1 John, 2nd chapter, the 15th to the 17th verses, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Okay, the tragedy of a wasted life. So many people put to the realm of sports, amusement, and entertainment before Jesus. To our viewers, I say, do not give first place in your affections and interest to anything that belongs only to the world system that you can see or to the age in which you live, nor to worldly amusements and habits which do not glorify God. Choose, rather, that which will abide forever, as we find in verse 17. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And that's the trouble with too many people. They get on the merry-go-round of life and spend their years seeking the things of the world. At the end of life, they have nothing worth speaking about. There is just one way for you to keep from wasting your life, and that is to give your heart to Jesus and accept him as your personal savior Master and Lord. Let him take over your life. Give him the best you can offer him. After all, he is willing to do just that for you. Then at the end of the way, you will have something more worthy to reflect upon. Yes, the disciples were disappointed, but God has a wonderful way of turning our disappointments into delights. Now we are going to see how the disappointment of the disciples turned into great joy and happiness. They were going to see Jesus, and he was going to give them all that they needed. The world can offer us many things, but it's a disappointing world. Yes, this world, this world is not our home. We are only strangers and pilgrims on this earth. God has better things in store for those who love him. When our lives' battles are over, we shall see King Jesus in all his glory and beauty. When morning broke and the disciples were returning to shore, they were cold, hungry, and depressed. They needed something to pep them up. And what happened? They looked over to the shore, and there was Jesus. Yes, just when they needed him the most. He was already there. He knew where they were and how they felt. He knew their disappointment, and he came to bring them joy and blessing. Well, the disciples did not recognize Jesus who spoke to them. 
We read in John 21, 5 and 6, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. They obeyed quickly, and the net was soon so full they couldn't draw it up. Jesus had performed another miracle. The disciples must have shouted for joy. Now they knew that the man on the shore was not a stranger. John said to Peter, it is the Lord. At once Peter acted in his usual impetuous manner. He couldn't wait for the fish to be taken care of as the boat edged towards the shore. He put his fish's coat about him and jumped into the water and hurried to Jesus. We can't help but admire Peter. He denied the Lord thrice, but deep down in his heart, he loved Jesus with all his hearts and soul and truly desired to get close to the Lord. We too, when we have denied our sin, we desire to get back to him by repenting of our sins. The other disciples had reached and landed on the shore, dragging the net which was filled with fish. Listen to John 21:11. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes in 150 and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Today, all over the country, we find people who have itching ears. They run off to hear every new man or new doctrine that comes along. And what happens? Read really what Paul had to say in 2 Corinthians 11:13 to 15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan can and often does disguise himself in this way. He is a deceiver. Notice that the devil is a real person, not just an evil power. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now, when all the disciples reached shore, they found Jesus had made a fire and had some fish already cooked and ready to eat. He didn't have to wait for them to bring in the fish. He had performed another miracle. Then he extended his gracious invitation, as you read in John 21, 12, come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou? Knowing it was the Lord. What was he doing there? First, he was showing his love for them, that he would always supply their needs. Then he hoped to show them that although he had risen from the grave and now had a glorified body, he would always be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And today he is still saying through his word, come and dine. To the man lost in sin, he says, come and dine for my grace is sufficient for thee. Come and be saved for the gift of God is eternal life. To the brokenhearted, he says, come and dine on the comfort and peace that I alone can give you. To the needy, he says, come and dine on the riches that I stand ready to give you. Reading Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The question comes forth, is water baptism essential to salvation? Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.21, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, 
but they answer a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus confirms this in Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So choose this day whom ye will heed, God's word or man's word. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The way of salvation was made so absolutely simple. When Paul said, we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the highly educated Greeks or foolishness, Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This gracious invitation reached out beyond Israel to the needy, brokenhearted, and sin burden of every nationality, creed, and color, as God is no respecter of persons. Just as Jesus spoke to Nicodemus a long time, he is speaking to you now as you read in John 3, 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be born of water? It means to be baptized by immersion in water in the name of Jesus Christ, according to Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There are two wonderful promises in this verse. The remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is your passport into heaven. To be born of the Spirit is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the only Bible evidence to prove it, so is the speaking in tongues or unknown language as recorded in Acts 2, 2, 4. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Please note, it was the Spirit that gave utterance, not man. Therefore, we find the real ministry of the disciples began after they received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. They preached Christ in and through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let us read the Word of God in the 41st verse. Then they that gladly received this Word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now this act was only the beginning of their salvation, for the word says in the 42nd verse, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Many say one can be baptized any way he so desires, either by having water poured or sprinkled upon him or by immersion or burial. Romans 6, 4 reads, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. The sprinkling of water upon infants cannot be found anywhere in the Word of God. We read in Colossians 2.12, Buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who had raised Him from the dead. We don't baptize infants. We bless them when they get to the age of accountability and know the difference between right and wrong, usually around age seven, then we baptize them. Common sense tells us that an infant cannot talk or understand. There is no name in this world that's comparable to the name of Jesus. 
Therefore, outside the name of Jesus, one cannot be saved. As Peter tells us in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that, my friends, that is the gospel of the kingdom of God, which Jesus preached on the shores of Galilee. We now find him dining with his disciples. The fellowship was divine and the food was satisfying. I'm so glad he loved us and died for us. But most of all, I'm elated that he rose again and that today we have a living savior. When he died on the cross, Calvary seemed to mean only one thing. Jesus was defeated. The disciples were brokenhearted. But on that Sunday morning, after the radiant and glorious message rang out, he is risen. Yes, he lives to save, to bless, and serve his people who are water-washed, blood-washed, and spirit-filled, and walking in the light. We know he laid aside his royal robes and came into the world in poverty. We know he burst the bonds of death and came back to life again. The time had come for him to go back to the Father. Thus, Jesus had to deal with his chief disciple, Peter, and send him out to preach the gospel until the end of his days. But his instructions were not only for Peter, they were for every born-again Christian too. The dialogue between Jesus and Peter went thusly, as we read in John 21, 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. Jesus was not only our Savior, but the greatest psychologist that ever lived, for he knew what was in man. What did Jesus mean by these when he asked, Lovest thou me more than these? He may have meant, do you love me more than these friends of yours? Are you willing to leave them and follow me? Or he may have meant, do you love me more than these boats and your fishing and this place where you have spent all of your life? Or are you willing to give it all up and devote your life preaching the gospel? There had been a day when Peter had said, though all men forsake you, yet will not I. He had been so confident then, but later he openly denied Christ. He needed to become more humble if he was going to become a faithful and fruitful servant. Don't we need to learn the lesson of humility? The secret of success with God's men was quite obvious. They were willing to give God and others the credit and glory for what they did. Jesus' question was a simple one. Lovest thou me? The secret of all true service lies right here. We may know much, do much, talk much, work much, give much, and make a great show of what we are doing. Yet, if we don't love Jesus with our entire heart, soul, and strength, our faith is in vain. Everything is just sounding brass and tinkling cymbals without love. There is no life where there is no love. Listen to Peter's answer. Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Then Jesus said, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. How could Peter feed the lambs? He could simply give them the precious food of God's word. He was to preach the pure gospel of the kingdom of God, 
which is the bread of life for starving souls. By lambs, he meant the least and the weakest in the flock. They must have the milk of the word before they can digest the meat of the word. Again, Jesus came back with the same question, lovest thou me? Again, Peter said, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. This time, Jesus said, feed my sheep. The word for feed means literally shepherd my sheep. Peter was to feed the sheep on the word of God as he made every effort to nurture, discipline, and develop them. As they knew they were to eat stronger food and develop stronger Christian characters. For the third time, Jesus asked, lovest thou me? This time he meant, Peter, do you really love me at all? Three times Peter had denied Jesus, and now three times he was called upon to confess his love for Jesus. Peter was grieved because Jesus asked him the question of the third time. Peter's words showed his deep penitence. Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Again, Jesus commanded, feed my sheep. Jesus had commanded to him the dearest thing he had on earth, his sheep, his people. Jesus said to Peter, follow me. His actual message to Peter was, your fishing days are over. You are charged with the biggest business on earth, the salvation of souls. All right, Lord, I will follow thee, but what about John? What is he going to do? What is that to thee? Follow me. It was Peter's business to follow Jesus and leave the future of others in God's hands. Now, if you'd like to know more about God's Word, the church, and review these telecasts presentation in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of His hands. We hope you will enjoy this next choose closing the song by our church band as they play the Royal Telephone. As I stated earlier, you all have a nice and beautiful day.
The preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.